everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. I'm your host. There we go. Now we got the right microphone. It, <laughs> it, it would help. It would help if I had the right one. Uh, is this is this a, a harbinger of doom for today's show? No. No, no, no. Good morning. Welcome to the show. We made it to the weekend. Here it is. Friday. July the 8th. We've got a great show lined up for you today. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the studio by someone who is sharp as a tack, as they like to say, has a ton of energy every weekday morning. Producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We have four guests lined up for you today. Four. That's how we're going to close out the week. Why are we giving you four? Because we weren't on the air Monday. Feel like we owe you one. So we got an extra guest today for you. Hour from right now, James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast is going to join us to talk all things Houston Astros. At 7.30, making his RP3 and company debut, VEASAN, Major League Baseball betting analyst, Adam Burke, is going to be joining us, talking about Major League Baseball overall. And also giving you some tips when it comes to sports betting. It's a little combination of it all. Then at 8.15, cashing tickets with our guy, our local semi-pro gambler, Nick Fondo. And then 8.30 this morning, Alex Hickey from Saturday Tradition is going to join us to talk about the state of college football. So we got Strohs, we got baseball, we got betting, and we got college football to talk about. Also coming up half hour from right now. We're getting closer and closer to Saints training camp. And there's plenty of questions that need to be asked. I'm going to share mine with you. We'll also open it up. The phone lines to hear from you. Get your thoughts as well. What your big questions are for the black and gold heading into training camp. Of course, you can give us a call as always. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to start off today's show talking about those Houston Astros. Kevin Foote was worried. Filled with anxiety. Worried about them. Kansas City Royals beating his team, evening the four-game series. But Justin Verlander said not to worry, Footsie. Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, we're going to step up and you don't have to worry about losing a series to the Kansas City Royals because that's exactly what the Strohs did yesterday afternoon in a game that you heard live right here on the game. It wasn't an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Verlander did not pitch his best. That was for sure. But at the end of the day, they got the job done. At the end of the day, 
Verlander got his Major League Baseball leading 11th victory as the Strohs take down the Royals 5-2. to 5-2 to two victory as they take three out of four games. Bounce back from losing Wednesday night's affair. And Verlander gets win number 11. For whatever reason, Kansas City plays Houston really, really tough. We make the joke about it here on the air. Kevin talks about it off the air that for whatever reason, Kansas City is one of the worst hitting teams in the league, except for when they play the Astros. For whatever reason, when they play the Strohs, they find a different... They just... They're just a better team for whatever reason. No good reason. Yet they get the job done. Houston, Verlander was good, but not great. And it's always a good sign of a great ball club when your ace does not have his best stuff, is a little off, from his Cy Young award-winning form, and you still get the win. Because that's exactly what happened last night. Or yesterday afternoon, rather. Verlander improves to 11-3 overall on the season. And he was okay. Six innings, seven hits, two runs. Walked two batters. Struck out eight through 100 pitches. So that was a good performance, not a great performance. Was it dominant? We've seen him pitch better this year. But then they handed it over to the bullpen, and they did their job. Montero, Presley, and Maiden only gave up one hit in three innings of work while striking out five batters. It looked like it was going to be a night, though, of missed opportunities, a game of missed opportunities, because Kansas City's pitchers kept putting Astros on the base pass over and over and over again. Yet, Houston did not take advantage of all the walks that were committed. Ten of them all together. Bubek, the starter, he walked six batters by himself in only five and one-third innings of work. Then two of the relievers, Coleman and Kuas, walked two apiece as well. But Houston didn't take advantage of that. First nine that were, the first nine Astros that were walked did not score. So Verlander was good but not great. And the Shros were stranding free base runners over and over and over again. And Kansas City actually led this game two to nothing heading to the bottom of the fifth. But then Altuve says, not to worry, I got this, guys. Mighty Mouse says, not to worry. Two-run blast in the fifth. That ties it up 2-2. Two to two. Then Alvarez homers a little while later. 
solo shot. Makes it 3-2. to two. Then in the eighth inning, guess who steps up again? Jose Altuve. Sack fly, brings in a runner. And then Diaz brings in a run with a double, also in the eighth inning. As the Strohs pull away, 5-2 to two in this ballgame. Presley gets the save, his 18th of the season. Altuve, one for two, three ribbies, one run scored. Also drew two walks. Diaz comes up with the one hit. That was his only hit. But it came up in a big spot. Bregman went 0 for 3, but did draw two walks. So, not a great night at the dish for the Strohs. They stranded a bunch of runners. Justin Verlander was not great. Yet, didn't matter. 5-2 to two win. This is when you know when you're one of the best teams in baseball. I've said this over and over again. When you have your off night, your off evening, we don't know what that's like around here. We're always on. But others do have off nights, off evenings. We don't have off mornings, especially producer extraordinary Hannah Five Names. But even when you do, even when you're not your best, you can still beat the competition. That tells you everything that you need to know about this team. This is how loaded and talented this team is. They, When you watch this team play or you listen to them play, you never think this team is out of a game. Never. You never think the Strohs are out of a game. You always believe that they believe they have a chance. It could be... 5 nothing, heading into the 8th inning. They're loose. They're not stressed. They believe they can score as many runs as possible. We had Eric Heisman on earlier this week from the Locked On Astros podcast. And he said, look, if you're a starting pitcher for the Houston Astros, you know that you just can't give up more than four runs. And you're more than likely, every time you go out there, you're going to win the ballgame. Because this lineup is going to find a way to score four, five, six, seven runs. And they're not even at 100%. This lineup is not even where it needs to be or where they want it to be. They're still going to get Michael Brantley Jr. back. They still got to get Yuli Gurriel right. Alex Bregman is improving, but he's quite not quite there yet. Yet they're rolling. Win number 54 on the season for the Strohs as they beat the Royals 5-2. to two. They can, They're hoping to continue this hot streak as they head on the road for a three-game set in Oakland, which will likely be jam-packed with fans. No, it won't. No, it won't. Pretty sure you can walk up and get a ticket for like 10 bucks this weekend. Athletics are one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Their owner and their front office are trying to tank the season, I guess. But once again, the Strohs are a team that rises to the occasion. 
to take on the best teams in Major League Baseball. When they do slip up, it's against the teams that they should mollywop. So Oakland is going to present a challenge. It's on the road. The A's are always scrappy, even though it's abundantly clear that the ownership and the front office is trying to do their best to tank this season. They still always get up and fight against the Strohs. So it's going to be a challenging weekend in the Bay Area. You can listen to game one of that weekend series tonight right here on the game. 8.40 first pitch. That's the best first pitch time for Kevin Foote. 8.40 first pitch. Astro launch will begin at 8.05. And you can listen to all the action of Strohs at Athletics right here on the game. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. We got to take a timeout. We're up and running on this Friday edition of RP3 and Company. Got a great show lined up for you. Want to get those phone calls in? Feel free to do so. Just be nice to the lady behind the glass. That's 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You listen to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. So listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway, our third one of the season. Look, Houston's going to be taking on the Seattle Mariners. You heard Bob Nightingale yesterday on the show talk about, watch out for Seattle. They could be sneaky as a team coming on, trying to sneak into the wild card race. To be fair, the wild card has been expanded this year, so it kind of makes it easier. But I digress. April champions are starting to play like an actual legitimate playoff team. And you know the Mariners play the Strohs tough. So it's going to be a good series. It means it's going to be a great Saturday night affair in the big juice box, and you can be there. Go register in the game clubhouse right now at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score yourself four tickets. Four. That's right. I'm holding up the four, like fourth quarter or the four horsemen. Shout out to old school wrestling. Four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, Mariners, Strohs, Saturday, July 30th. Four tickets, tour of the ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's what you can score with our latest Astros weekend getaway. But you can't win it if you don't become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro Weekend Getaways, of course, are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Astros take down the Kansas City Royals last night. Take that series three games to one. And, of course, they'll head out to Oakland for a three-game set this weekend against the Athletics, who are one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball, but are scrappy and always play the Strohs tough. So it could be a challenging weekend for Dusty Baker's squad. Once again, you can listen to tonight's opening game of that series. First pitch, 840. Astro launch with Steve Sparks and Robert Ford will begin at 805. And you can listen to it live right here on the game. Let's touch on a few other things that happened in Major League Baseball last night. Scary incident involving the San Diego Padres and the San Francisco Giants. This is the second kind of... We've had a few of these scary collisions during a game. Remember Jordan Alvarez, Jeremy Pena had to miss a game or so for concussion protocols because they had a scary uh, collision just about a week and a half ago. What happened again, Padres left fielder Jerkison Profar collapsed as he was trying to walk off the field after he suffered a scary collision with rookie shortstop C.J. Abrams. And he had to be placed on a stretcher and then driven away on a cart Thursday night. This was eerily similar to what we saw with Alvarez and Pena. Remember, Alvarez had to be carted off. He tried to get up on his own accord. They had to, had to cart him off. Pena tried to stay in the game. They said, no, you got to get out of the game. Uh, Profar was trans, uh, transported to UC San Diego Health for further evaluation. The team said no update was immediately available last night. They both went after a fly ball hit by Tommy LaStella into shallow left field in the fifth inning. Abrams made the catch with his back to the infield and his left knee hit Profar in the left jaw. Ouch. Ouch. So scary moment there in the Giants-Padres game. Hopefully everyone is going to be okay. Atlanta Braves rookie pitcher Spencer Strider and a man who is rocking a 1976 mustache like a champ struck out 12 batters in last night's game, which ended up being a loss to the St. Louis Cardinals. But yet he made history. Struck out 12, gave up to us two hits across six innings against the Redbirds. He becomes the first rookie pitcher since 1900. I'm not stuttering. First rookie pitcher since 1900 with at least 11 strikeouts and two or fewer hits allowed in consecutive starts. Strider previously struck out 11 and gave up just one hit in last week's win over the Cincinnati Reds. It has been an absolute phenomenal start to his career. Former fourth-round pick of the Major League Baseball amateur draft. He has struck out 102 hitters in 65 and two-thirds innings this year. That's the fourth most strikeouts in a pitcher's first eight career starts in the past 30 years. He's now 4-2 and on the season. He's got a great combination. He's got that fastball that can go all the way up to 98, 99 miles per hour. And then he's got a slider that's in the high 80s that's just as effective. 
He's recorded a strikeout in each of the first nine outs Thursday to mark the first time that's happened since the Braves debuted in Atlanta back in 1966. So, yeah, pretty sensational start for the 23-year-old. Most strikeouts in first eight career starts in the last 30 years. Of course, that belongs to the great Kerry Wood for the Chicago Cubs back in 1998 when he had 72. Stephen Strasburg, Washington Nationals, had 68 in 2010. Tanaka for the Yankees, 66 and 14. And now Spencer Strider, 65 this season. Another Cub, Mark Pryor, had 60 in 2002. So, some pretty good company there for the young man. Obviously, he would have liked to have gotten the win. But the Bravos lose an extra innings, not because of the rookie's performance on the bump. They got themselves a good one. That pitching staff is coming together nicely for the defending World Series champions. And I'm just not saying that because I'm a Braves fan either. Before y'all start lighting up the phone lines. <laughs> Kids got good stuff, man. Kids got really good stuff. Braves look like they're coming into form. Can they catch the Mets? Will they catch the Mets? The Mets are going to get DeGrom back. Scherzer's already returned. But are both of those guys going to stay healthy? How much are they going to ride DeGrom when he returns? Once again, you're going to need him for a postseason run. It's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So that National League East, it's going to be a battle down the stretch between those two teams. Astros, Yankees, Braves, Mets, Dodgers. Those are really your top-tier teams right now in Major League Baseball. The other teams, eh. Twins, Guardians, and the AL Central, they're going to battle it out. Are they there? Are they up at the top? Not quite yet. But when I think about the best teams in baseball right now, Yankees are one, Strohs are two. And then there's a bit of a, a drop-off. And then there's the Mets and the Braves. Brewers and Cardinals are really good in the Central as well. The Dodgers are starting to kind of elevate themselves in the National League West. But for me in the American League, it's definitely the Yankees and the Strohs. And then it's going to be those wild card teams coming out of the East, the AL East. Because Tampa, Toronto, and Boston are all going to be dangerous. And any of those teams could give the Strohs or the Yankees trouble. There's still plenty of baseball left to be played. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to unveil the poll question of the day. We're going to talk a little New Orleans Saints football. We'll also take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. 
or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Look, we understand times are tough right now, right? Gas prices are high. It's costing you a lot to travel in your ride. And you have to pinch pennies in places. So maybe where you had that extra money to spend on, I don't know, having a purse or your lady having a purse or having shoes on, getting a new pair of shoes, or just having enough money to go spend on a meal out to dinner, whatever it might be. We know things are tight right now, but not to worry. We want to hook you up with something amazing. That way you don't have to pay a dime. Not a nickel, not a dime, not a penny, not a quarter. How about a brand new Apple Watch? Yeah, I see more and more people rocking these bad boys. You want to have one. I know you do. Here's how you can win one. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join our new text club, you're going to be eligible to win a new Apple Watch. Plus, you're going to have a tons of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets, concert tickets, station swag, and more. Once again, join our brand new text club and be able to enter to win for a brand new Apple Watch by simply texting GAME to 337 288 8100. That's 337 288 It's the game's brand new text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Man, want to hook you up with that Apple Watch. It's what we want to do. Let us do it. Got a poll question of the day to unveil. And it leads us to. Our conversation now, which is going to shift from the diamond in Major League Baseball to the NFL. Training camps will begin later this month or early August. And there's plenty of questions involving the New Orleans Saints. What are the big question marks for this team? I got some questions myself. Leads us to our poll question of the day. What are the biggest questions you have entering Saints training camp? Is it, can Cesar Ruiz be fixed? Is it who will become tight end number one, which is going to be up for debate, by the way. Everyone just assumes it's going to be Taysom Hill, but eh, I, I don't know. Something tells me it's not going to be. It's He's not going to be your primary tight end number one. Is it, Can Peyton Turner be healthy? He was your first-round pick a year ago, the young pass rusher out of Houston who barely played because he was injured. That's become a bit of a tradition for the Saints. First-round defensive linemen who are injured 
and don't play often earlier in their career. See Marcus Davenport. Or is it who's going to be running back three, RB3? Kamara may be suspended, may not be suspended, depending on what happens with his legal case in Las Vegas from the Pro Bowl weekend. Mark Ingram, uh, he's on the backside of his career. Who's going to step up to be that number three running back who more than likely is going to get plenty of carries this season for this team? Is it going to be the young man out of Baylor? Is it going to be Dwayne Washington? Is it going to be Tony Jones Jr.? Who's it going to be? So plenty of questions facing this franchise heading into training camp. For me, Cesar Ruiz, can he be fixed? Because if you can fix the big fella up front, that's going to have a domino effect. And what I mean by that is this. Look at the Saints' offensive line. It's either going to be Hurst or it's going to be pinning the first-round draft pick at left tackle. More than likely, it's going to be Hurst to start the season as they develop and work with the big fella out of Northern Iowa to take over. So left tackle is going to be taken care of. Hurst is a capable guy at that position. Is he a long-term franchise left tackle? No, but he's proven that he could be a good spot starter there until you can get the young man ready to take over. So left tackle's taken care of. Right tackle's taken care of as well because you got one of the top two, top three best right tackles in all of football, Ryan Ramchak. Well, that's taken care of. So your ends are taken care of. Left tackle, right tackle, done. Eric McCoy is not a great center. He's a good player, but you don't always need your center to be great, right? You don't need him to be Hall of Famer. It doesn't have to be Kevin Mawai. Shout out to the former Leesville High and LSU star who's in Canton. You just need someone to be pretty good at the center position. And more importantly, have a rapport and a good chemistry with your quarterback. He does not have to be great. So you got your two ends. And you got your center taken care of. The big question mark for the Saints is left guard, right guard. Left guard, Andres Pete, a.k.a. Pondwater. Great at run blocking. That's his forte. Which is funny because he was actually a pretty good pass blocker coming out of Stanford. But the big fella is coming off a season where he missed for injury. He's dealt with injuries throughout his career. He can run block. He's actually a pretty good, almost good run blocker, by the way. If you watch the tape, he is. What Andres Pete struggles with and struggles with mightily is pass blocking. So many Olays, if you will, when he pops up. And it's like, Olay, there's the defensive lineman running past me. Hey, hey, there went the guy the other way. When he gets down, when he's down, and his only job is to pop up and hit the guy in front of him and move forward with his hands to run block, he's very good at that. When Pete's job is to pop up and have his hands closer to his chest because he's got to pass protect, he is not good at that. That's your problem at left guard. Right guard, 
Suzy Urias has been just mediocre at best. He's been pretty awful at times. Now, I argue you look at all the guys they took in that draft class and they've all struggled because that was the draft class during the pandemic. No rookie mini camp, no mini camp, really not a training camp, no preseason. They didn't get to do what they were supposed to do. And you see the development of not only him, but also let's point out also in that draft class, uh, Adam Troutman, who we'll talk about here shortly at tight end. Those guys that they selected in that year, it feels like they're a year behind, right? Now, it could be just they missed on their draft picks that year, or it could be just they're slow learners or whatever it might be. But Ruiz, they got to figure him out. For me, that's the biggest question mark for this Saints team. I don't have question marks about Jameis Winston and what the job he can do. If healthy, I expect 35 touchdowns, about 13, 14 to 15 interceptions, probably around 4,000 yards passing. That's what you're going to see out of Jameis. It's going to be good, not great, but it's going to be good enough for this team to win 12 games. They'll figure out running back, they always do, if Kamara suspended or not. Wide receivers, great. Thomas will be back healthy. Uh, uh, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, your top three, you're good there. It'll be tight end by committee this year. It's just not going to be Taysom Hill. I know Dennis Allen said Taysom Hill is going to be your number one tight end. They're going to use Taysom in a multitude of ways. They're going to Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator. He's going to use him in a multitude of ways. They're going to line him up at tight end, but he's also going to be used at wide receiver. He's going to be used in the backfield. They're going to still use him in that joker role. He's going to get a lot of reps at tight end. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think the Saints are going to have a traditional tight end one this season. I don't think you're going to see that. You're not going to see someone hold down the Jeremy Shockey role or you know the ben- Benjamin Watson role. Or definitely not the Jimmy Graham role. It's going to be splits, in particular between Troutman and Taysom Hill. That's just the feeling I have when it comes to that. The big question mark is, for me, the offensive line. You bring in Doug Marone to fix it. He is an O-line guru. This is what he does. Can he fix the offensive line? Can he teach Andres Pete at this age how to be a better pass blocker? Can he teach Caesar how to just be more consistent and develop him? And then the other big question mark is, if he can't do that, if Doug working with these guys all offseason and in training camp, if he can't fix Pondwater and fix Caesar, who's going to be able to be stepping up in those roles? Because if you can't fix Andres Pete and Caesar Salad, then who's going to step up? And that's a big question mark, right? Throckmorton has looked serviceable at times being thrust into that role. He has. So that's my big question mark for the Saints as they head to training camp later this month and early in August. Can they fix the offensive line? Can they fix Andres Pete? and Cesar Ruiz and fix them and make them serviceable starting guards. 
because that's going to do wonders for Jameis Winston. That's going to do wonders for the passing attack. That's going to do wonders for how Taysom Hill's utilized and how the run game works. But they got to fix that. Nothing else, I'm telling you, nothing else matters. It has a, a, a domino effect. If you don't fix the offensive line, if Doug Marone can't fix the O-line, in particular, your two guards, no matter how good Jameis Winston plays or how good the wide receiving core is going to be this year or Alvin Kamara avoiding suspension or how salty the defense is going to be because it's going to be dominant for sure, none of that's going to matter if they can't fix the interior of that offensive line. It all starts up front. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It all starts up front. Right now for the poll question of the day, what are the biggest questions you have entering Saints training camp? 50% of you say, can Cesar Ruiz, or Ruiz, however you want to say his name, can he be fixed? 25% say, is Peyton Turner healthy? And that's another question mark. If he's healthy, that's going to be great for the defensive line depth and what they do with their rotation in the front seven on defense. But the big fella's got to be healthy. 17% say who will become tight end one. I told you, I think it's going to be it's going to be tight end one by committee. It's going to drive you nuts in your fantasy football league because you're not going to know which tight end to have. But I expect splits there. And then 8% of you say who's going to be running back three. Let's get to some comments. Heart on the Twitter. Out of these options for me, it's got to be Peyton Turner. Even though we only got a small sample size, he showed great promise when healthy. The X factor for this season will be availability. If they have a fully healthy roster, they are a top three team in the NFC, just my opinion, though. I agree. If this team is fully healthy, top three, top five team in the NFL, which is why CBS Sports headquarters listing of talent roster had the Saints as 21 is mind-boggling to me. JPK, the OD, answers in order. I don't know why I like singing his name, but I do. I hope he's okay with that. Answers in order. Number one, answers in order. Number two, <laughs> Taysom, yes, and he's going to be awesome. Running back depth. Abram Smith, Mark Ingram, I mean, I, I'm, they're high on Abram Smith. Bonus fun fact of the day, Mariners are now only three games out of the wild card and tied for the longest winning streak in Major League Baseball. JPK, the OD, I'm here for your enthusiasm for your Mariners. I love optimism. I love enthusiasm. Keep it coming, bud. Martin says, how will my Cowboys let me down this season? Hashtag always next year. Hashtag we dim boys. Oh, bud, they're going to. They're going to. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to, but it will be done in spectacular fashion, Martin. You know this. You understand this. You're a Cowboy fan. Let's go nuts. I like that Twitter handle. Bigger question, why are Ruiz and Pete two of our biggest liabilities still on the team? It's a fair question. Uh, well, because they had to give Andres Pete that contract extension, they really didn't have a choice. Because the market warranted it. But that may be one they regret. Good comments. Keep them coming. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up our number one. 
You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. I uh, got some more comments here on the poll question of the day. It's about what are your biggest questions heading into training camp for the New Orleans Saints later this month and early in August. Tyler Darbaugh, TD, as we like to call him. He goes, I guess my biggest question is who's going to be our starting quarterback to start the regular season. I'm not doubting that Jameis Winston could be our starter because he showed flashes last year being consistent before he got injured. But we did end up bringing in Andy Dalton to compete for the starting job, and Ian Book still needs time to develop into a good quarterback before he can see the field. TD, it's Jameis Winston. Yeah, I can take that question. We'll take care of that right now. Boom, done. It's going to be Jameis. It's famous Jameis. Andy Dalton is the in case of an emergency, Jameis suffers some sort of injury, we can go to the Red Rifle. That's all Andy is. Affordable veteran backup option to Jameis Winston. That's it. In case something happens, they can turn to Andy to keep the ship afloat. Ian Book will likely not see the field, with the exception of holding a clipboard or a tablet. That's how that's going to go down this year. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep leaving those comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Hour number one has come to a close, but not to worry. We got two more hours for you here on RP3 and Company. We're going to kick off hour number two with James Yasko of the Lima Time Time podcast. Going to talk all things Houston Astros. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number two has arrived here on the RP3 and Company. Good morning. Welcome. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, as they like to say. Raymond Parsons III, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, someone who's always on top of her game, whether it comes to producing sports talk, fashion, or food, or wedding plans. Does not matter. She is extraordinary in all of those. Kind of five names. Good first hour to today's show. <laughs> Good first hour to today's show. We covered Houston Astros. Verlander wasn't his best. It did not matter. The Strohs left several runners on the base pass. They kept getting walked on to the base pass and yet not scoring. Yet, they still found a way to win. Take three or four from Kansas City. And they keep that train just moving right along as now they head to Oakland. Oaktown? You know, Oakland is the home of Too Short, by the way. Just to let you know. You have no idea who Too Short is. There, she's shaking her head. She has no idea who the Bay Area legend is. It's fine. It's fine. 
Not really. We'll have a discussion later on today. I'll send you some songs. None of them can be played on the air, by the way. <laughs> Just letting you know. Too Short, a.k.a. Short Dog. But the Strohs keep it moving. And to talk more about Houston and how things are seemingly going so well for them. Alvarez, MVP, candidacy, Verlander, 11th win, most in the big leagues, is the man behind the Lima Time Time podcast. Yeah, I know there's another guy involved. I got respect for Pat. But James Yasko is the one that does all the heavy lifting. James, good morning. How are you, my friend? kind of rattled by this too short you don't know too short i wish i was a little bit taller i wish i was a baller I that's not too short that's tall. not too short you maniac <laughs> who's that <laughs> hang on now now i'm i need to look this up who, okay. who was i who did i, I think too short was oh my oh, that god was Skilo. that oh, was Skilo, right. you maniac Look, it's early. <laughs> Have you had any coffee yet this morning? Just, I'm just, I'm just now getting into cup number one. Oh, there we go. There we go. There, Sorry, I'm, there we I go. Apologize. I apologize. That's fine, bud. My grave mistake. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Friday, brother. It's Friday. All right. Yesterday, Verlander wasn't dominant. Okay, and, okay. What, what do you mean when you say that? Because he threw six innings and allowed one earned run. Yes, but I'm saying when I see him pitch earlier this season where he's striking out double digit and, and not giving up, you know, any runs. Aha, uh-huh. I, I have an answer for that. Okay. So I, I actually, this was in the Chronicle uh, or in cron.com. Are you flexing? Uh, Is this a flex right now? About to flex. Okay, uh, all right, I'll, they, I'll allow it. No, okay, so so no, Verlander is not striking out um, – he doesn't have the same strikeout numbers that he had, you know, in, in 20, you can't even count 2020, No, uh, no. but in 20, in 2019 and, and in the years prior, however, Verlander is, is more, if he's getting more outs with fewer pitches at in 2022 than he has had at any rate in his career. So what I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Verlander's a smart guy and the Astros are a front smart offense. Um, but I wonder how much of of what Verlander is doing this year is is maybe pitching to contact, uh, get get through innings quicker, uh, throw fewer pitches because this he's still coming off of Tommy John surgery, uh, and so no he's not striking out 13, 14 a game, but but he's he's giving you six innings in in a hundred pitches or less, uh, and and when when you can throw. 103 pitches and get through seven innings you know I, I think everyone would take would take that over a five inning you know 115 pitch start where he struck out 14 he's getting deeper into the ball game uh and he's he's taking fewer pitches fewer pitches to do it well he's learning how to pitch at his age he's finally growing up it's it's good no. to, it's good to see uh, <laughs> no. No. All, the, all the years all the years <laughs> with with the, the influence of the good kate upton uh has has encouraged him to embrace maturity a little bit <laughs> you know what I meant, you maniac. It's it's he's like he's look. He he's not as strong as he used to be, and the 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 greatest pitchers always figure out a way to keep their career going longer, and they make those slight adjustments. You, I, I, you're exactly right. He's become more of a contact pitcher this season in particular, but he knows he has the defense behind him that it's not going to be an issue, right? So. Right. 
that's part of it, learning how to utilize your things. You know, some of the best pitchers, Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, they all did that. Uh, it, it, they all figured out later in their career, okay, I can't, I can't be the same guy I was at 22 years old or 24 years right. old. I'm just not that guy anymore, uh, especially in Verlander's case. Um, but, man, I was not expecting you to come in hot. I mean, I mean, look, I'm not the one that started rhyming Skilo, okay, bud? So I don't know why you're coming that's, after me. It feels, feels very aggressive. I feel, I feel you're still, very angry. That's, that's why. I, 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 I made a, a very <laughs> stupid mistake uh, after, after setting an alarm on a Friday in the summer uh, to get up, and, and I, was, I, was, I was stupid, and, uh, and, and, it's okay, and I bud, lashed out. Bud, I bud, bud. So it's okay. It's okay. This, 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 this is a place of safe. It's a safe place of, of, of love and understanding. So I, I, I appreciate that. They did not play their best overall yesterday afternoon. They left a lot of runners on the base paths, right? They, they, they kept getting walked and not scoring, yet they find a way to win. And I keep bringing this point home over and over again while I'm on the air, James, is great teams find ways to win ugly games or find ways to win when guys are struggling. They just do. And the veteran leadership on this team the experience of playing in three World Series in five years and five straight LCSs, you see it. Every time I watch this team play, I see it right there in front of me. They never think they're out of a game. They never think, uh, you know, they always think, hey, you know what, we can score five, six runs a game. It's not an issue for us. As long as the starting pitchers don't give up more than four runs, we're golden. This is a great team. Yeah, uh, and I think it, it's a testament to sort of how far, how far we've the the fan base has come, or how far the organization has come. I did not, I did that. We was not intentional at all. I, I know it's not we. I know, I, I know, I know. Um, but it, it's sort of a, a testament to to the organization that that you can take three or four from the Royals, and and most people are like, the heck happened? Like what 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 happened on Thursday or what happened on Wednesday? Let's talk about that. Like, that that's bullcrap. Um, the, the leaving runners on base that that's been a thing. Correct. Uh, and, and it's, it's been a thing since like 2018 that, that that's just, they just sort of go through, uh, <clears throat> phases like that. And I, I need, I'm curious. Now I'm curious. I need to look and see, uh, what is the Astros average with, with runners in scoring position? Cause I, I bet it's, I bet it's up there towards the top of the league. It's amplified because we're not watching other teams that cl- as closely as we're watching the Astros, but also because the Astros have so many opportunities with runners on base uh, or with runners in, in scoring position, even uh, that, that it, the, the, the mistakes seem to be amplified a little bit. And, and if you're hitting 280, you know, 270, 280 with runners in scoring position, you're, you're going to be towards the top of the league. So, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, and I'll, I'll look a little bit later and, 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 and check that stat out, but, but I'm, I'm still going to guess that, even as frustrating as it's been, the Astros are still towards the top of the league with runners in scoring position. Maybe you could write a story for the Houston Chronicle about it. I would. I, would, I like getting paid. That's fine. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm here for. But we're talking to James <laughs> Yasko, the Lima Time Times podcast, and a contributor for the Houston Chronicle. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Alex Bregman. I know he didn't get a hit yesterday, but he did draw a couple walks. Right, so. He, he he is seemingly turned a corner. Where does his average need to be? Because he's third on the team in in ribbies. 
I know RBIs are a stat that um, analytical people don't value anymore, but I do. I can't help myself. I'm still the, the kid from 1990 baseball card collector. So where does Bregg's, Bregg's average need to be for him to be in the zone, true to form, and a guy that can help lead this team to a championship? Where does it need to be? Is there is there a number in particular that Bregg's needs to be hovering around for his batting average for this team to be able to make a deep run given given the how well he the, the the command that he has over the strike zone um you know i i would think that that you would want bregman's average to be in the 270 range because he's going to get on base through walks and even when he was struggling he's still it's not like he was swinging at everything out of the zone and and swinging out of his shoes and sliders in the dirt and stuff like that yeah he wasn't adam um, dunn Right, right. He wasn't he, he wasn't a liability. Um, you know, just the, the 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 hits weren't falling. Well, now they are. He's hitting like 350 over the last three weeks. Um, so I'm I'm comfortable saying that Bregman is back. It's going to take some time just because of uh, whether it was and it seems like it was a mechanical issue slash mental issue uh, in in sort of ironing out that swing. Uh, it's going to take some time for for that average to come up, but but it, it shouldn't be. You know, it, it, I think we're going to look up and, and it's going to be August and, and he is hitting 265, 270 with the same walks with, you know, he's he's found a little bit of a power stroke uh, and, and everything's everything's going to be OK. You know, the thing that also stands out to me about him is that he's a guy that is and we'll say it. Look, he's cocky and he was that way at LSU and he's been that way with the Strohs and he's been always been able to back it up. The other guys kind of feed off of that, right? He kind of sets the tone in a lot of ways for that team with his, as the kids call, swagger. That's also just as important as him batting 275, right? I think so. And you look at, at some of the personalities that the Astros have lost in the last couple of years. You know, Springer was Springer was that guy. He was he was that that sort of the club Astros. He was the you know sort of the the engine. Uh, and I, I mean, hitting leadoff aside and Springer Dingers and all that, and, and God bless him, you know, to the, God bless the Toronto Blue Jays legend, George Springer. Um, <laughs> and, and then, and then you, you sort of had Correa who put the team on his back, you know, in the, in the wake of the trash can scandal. Uh, and, and now he's, he's gone, you know, they, they needed, you know, Altuve is not the showy flashy guy. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is the freaking Sphinx, uh, on, on the team. Um, you know, and, and so it's in Jeremy Pena isn't he's not going to be that guy in his rookie season. So so they're they needed a, a personality to kind of step up uh, and sort of drive that train. And, and Bregman is comfortable doing it. I'd like it, it, it. He's cocky, but he's I, I don't know if it's cocky is it's more of a I'm good and I know I'm good and I'm going to tell you I'm good. So when he wasn't good, you know, that was that was kind of a hard image to maintain. And, and now it seems as though Bregman's kind of got that swagger back. Let's talk about Jordan because, man, he has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he has been a, a, just an absolute monster. Give me a non-Astros comp on him. You're, you're a baseball historian. You know the game. Who does he remind you of? Step out from being an Astros fan. When you see him and how he's developed into this great slugger, who does he remind you of? A really good question. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't. I don't know. 
Manny Ramirez? I was going to uh, say Manny. Is that what, what do you think? I, 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 he reminds me a lot of Manny. Uh, without without but, but the I mean, shenanigans, without the you know the but but Manny was 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 flaky and and Jordan is is not, not. so, um, you know just someone that that when he comes to the plate, and and those those early uh, not the so much the two thousand three but the two thousand four two thousand five Red Sox teams those were those were fun teams, uh, to watch and and when when Manny came up with the game on the line. You know, you just sort of like, you know, you were surprised if he didn't, if he didn't win it. And when Jordan hit that walk off, what was it, Monday? Um, you know, I, I don't know that any, anyone watching the game kind of imagined that that would end any other way. Uh, and so, and so just the, the sort of the, the clutch, and I know that in the analytics, people hate the idea of, of, of clutch. Um, but just the, the moment doesn't get too big for him and, and you're going to be surprised when he doesn't deliver. Wrapping up our conversation with James Yasko, the Lima time time podcast, Houston Chronicle contributor and a man who says, I ask great questions. He joins us here on RP three and company major league baseball. All-stars are going to be announced on Sunday. How many strokes do you expect to make the all-star roster for the American league? Uh, five. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the over-under at four and a half. What do you got? Well, Verlander for sure. I say Framer Valdez is going to make it. So I think you're going to get two pitchers, maybe Presley two, so maybe three just from the pitching staff. Jordan Alvarez would be four. Um, Altuve, five. And then uh, maybe, maybe Tucker gets in. So I, I, think, I think you're going to have, when it's all said and done, once the skippers make all the changes as well, once you go past just the fan voting, I, I think you're going to have at least probably six Astros on the American League roster. That's how. That's what I think. Yeah, I think that's that's probably accurate. And and yeah, you see it to where you get the initial, the initial rosters are are announced, and and it's you know it's it's three or four guys, and then you have some that are like, oh, you know, I'm pitching the day before, I'm, I'm not going to play, but I'll I'll go. Correct. Um, and, and it does increase. So yeah, no, I, I, that, that sounds, that sounds about right. It's not going to be this insane, um, you know, it's, it's not, there's not gonna be 10, 10 Astros on the all-star team. Um, but, but it, it, they're going to be well represented. All right. I want to get a non-Astros question in with you. Cause I asked, it, is this, this the tour de France question? I've got it on right now. Oh yeah. Some English premier league, um, uh, yes. as well. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, it, it, <laughs> coming up. It came up in naturally just in conversation. I didn't even prompt it. Talk to Bob Nightingale, and he threw this out here yesterday. He said it may be, you know, kind of a controversial thing to say. It may be time for the Angels to trade Mike Trout. Do you think we're really getting to that point with the dumpster fire that is the Halos that a generational talent they would finally – trade him and just start over from scratch and try to get as many prospects as possible i mean i i said i put this on 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 twitter <clears throat> at some point during the angel series last weekend that that i would trade i would trade Asheville, you know one of the one of the minor league teams uh for for the astros uh i would trade the entire roster and the city of Asheville, north carolina to to anaheim uh, for for Mike Trout, you know, if if you put Mike Trout on the market because they are a dumpster fire of a franchise, um, 
you know, there, there's absolutely no help coming from the minor leagues. Um, that that if 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 you want to, because I mean, they they tried to sort of just sort of free agent their way out of it and hope that hope that they develop somebody. And and I I mean, other than other than Trout, I cannot think of a single Anaheim Angel or whatever they go by that that has come up through the system. And and so if if you put Trout on the market, then then that would be that would be the biggest blockbuster trade in major league baseball history. And I think the angels, you know, just from a, at least, I mean, it's, it's the tungsten Armo Doyle tweet that, that he's this unbelievable player. That's, that's telling his own pitchers and telling his own coaching staff that their pitchers are, are tipping their pitches that if you've, if you want to contend at some point and not just have the two, you know, two of the most electric players in the league going 75 and 87, um, then you have to consider it. And, and I would want the Astros to be all in on that. Who in the world would be able to afford to absorb his massive contract though? I mean, I think if he's asking a billionaire to take on an extra, you know, 40, but I mean, it's, it's, it, that's one of those deals that it, it, you make all that back in, in the first week of Jersey sales, you know, a trout Astros Jersey or, or a shirt or whatever, you know, the, <clears throat> the, the marketing engine will, you know, that that's why you have that. So, so yeah, it's 40 million, but it, you know, think about what StubHub's going to look, I know the Astros don't make money off of StubHub, but think, think about the season ticket, you know, that, mm. that, that gets sold when when you when you have a lineup with with Altuve and Jordan and Bregman uh, and Kyle Tucker and and Mike Trout, you know, the, and and Justin Verlander is pitching that day as well. Um, that that dude's going to pay for himself. James, appreciate your time as always, brother. We covered Mike Trout. We covered some history. We talked about the Astros. We talked about '90s rap. We did it all, bud. We made it. Thank you. Next week, we'll get into Wild Van Art's ridiculous ride yesterday in stage stage seven of the front. <laughs> Thank you, James. Enjoy your weekend, brother. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. It's James Yasko, our buddy from the Lehman Time Time podcast uh, and the contributor for Houston Chronicle. We got to take a timeout. Someone didn't wrap up our conversation like we should have. Whew. Producer extraordinaire. Dropping the ball. <laughs> we got to take a time out. I'm just messing. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet that netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. (laughs) 
Oh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston's going to be taking on the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. That's right. Simply register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets for a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark as well and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, Mariners, Strohs, Minute Maid, Saturday, July 30th. Tour of the ballpark, hotel accommodations, all taken care of. But you can only score that if you become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the old poll question of the day. Woo. What are the biggest questions you have entering Saints training camp? What are they? Is it Caesar? Can Caesar Ruiz be fixed? Can Peyton Turner finally stay healthy? Is it who will become tight end number one? I believe it's going to be shared responsibilities between Adam Troutman and Taysom Hill. I don't think either one's going to be your quote unquote tight end one. Doug Marone has been hired to fix Caesar Ruiz and make Andres Pete an actual pass blocker as well. Who's going to be running back three? Blaine's not happy. Blaine Smith's not happy. Can you be 30 to 40 minutes of Astros every morning? That's pretty much only thing on my way to work. No thanks. Sorry, Blaine. Thanks for listening. Thanks for commenting on the Saints poll question. <laughs> Hey, you know, you can't please everybody, you know? It's just, you know, that's just how it works. Some of you love it when we talk about baseball. Others do not. Man's not happy about us talking about Major League Baseball when it's the only thing going on in the summer when there's no NFL or NBA or NHL. But that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We'll try to do better, Blaine, just for you, bud. Poll question of the day. What are the biggest questions you have entering Saints training camp? Salty Steve has chimed in. Being no salt Friday, I cannot interject my feelings on the poll question. On the bright side, so thankful that Martin has laryngitis this morning. Hashtag no salt Friday. <laughs> I can't, Steve can't help himself. Oh, Steve and Martin. Darren on Twitter, our number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, says, how healthy is Michael Thomas? Who really knows? Yeah, you know, that, that that's a fair question to ask. You know, we keep being told that Mike's going to be ready for training camp, that he'll be good to go, but how healthy is he? It's a good point. We're just assuming that he's going to be good to go. Doug has chimed in. As long as Pond Water is on the O-line, that would be my biggest concern. How is Coach Doug going to fix that sack of potatoes? Hashtag run, Jameis, run. <laughs> he kind of is a sack of potatoes, isn't he? Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Once again, right now, 56% of you say, can Cesar Ruiz be fixed? 17% say, who will become tight end number one? Is Peyton Turner healthy? And 10% of you say, who's going to be RB3, running back number three on the depth chart? Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. 
We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk more baseball. Sorry, Blaine. When Adam Burke joins us from Vizen, their Major League Baseball sporting sports betting analyst. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. With the NBA and NHL having wrapped up their seasons, we can now all, as sports fans, turn our attentions solely to Major League Baseball. It is summer, and it makes perfect sense. Look, we all love the game. We grew up with the game. But some of us may need a little help with how to properly bet on said game. And to help us give us that insight is the man who's the sports betting analyst for Major League Baseball for Vizen. Adam Burke joins us now. Adam, good day to you, brother. How you doing? I'm good. You know, I'm kind of looking forward to the All-Star break, get a nice little respite for Major League Baseball, and it kind of feels like some of the teams are looking forward to that too because we've seen a lot of teams really hit a wall here over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, a lot of teams are starting to hit a wall, and you're starting to see other uh, other teams also start to give guys additional days of rest. Obviously, that's from the lockout and having to squeeze in the 162 games in the uh, same amount of time, so to speak. All right, so from a sports betting perspective, who are the teams that have been easy money, have been consistently been able to pay out based on their performance so far through this season? Yeah, you know, I think something that's kind of really important to take a look at is sort of how teams kind of improve or teams kind of fall back to the pack a little bit. I mean, look, obviously the Yankees at at 59 and 23 going into Thursday's games, you know, obviously, look, I mean, that's a team that's just they're they just can't stop winning. You know, they keep winning games late. They keep adding on late in games. They keep doing a lot of really special things here this season. And same thing with the Astros, you know, a team that kind of started out a little bit slow, maybe a little bit pedestrian out of the gate, but they've gotten much season as well. And the one team I think has been kind of interesting here to follow over the last little bit, and they have kind of picked up the pace a little bit is the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, I mean, they got off to a nice start. Then they were basically a 500 ball club throughout the month of June. So, you know, the usual suspects have been the really good teams, but there have been ups and downs for most of them. Just the Yankees and Astros have kind of been able to stay above it all. Another team that had a slow start to the season was the defending champs, the Atlanta Braves. But, man, as soon as it turned to June, brother, they have just caught fire. Safe bet uh, there as well to start placing money on them to make a postseason run, even though they trailed the Mets by a few games in the standings? Yeah, you know, you give the Braves a lot of credit. As you said, they got off to a really slow start. But then when they got into the month of June, they played a bunch of bad teams in a row. And it gave them a lot of offensive confidence. It certainly helped to get Ronald Acuna Jr. back into rhythm, coming back off the injury that he suffered last season. But this is a Braves team that you you can really form a pretty easy profile of this team because they strike out a lot. But when they face starting pitchers that don't generate a lot of swings and misses, don't generate a lot of strikeouts, they are very, very hard to hold down. And that's kind of what we've seen from them over the last six or seven weeks. They've faced a lot of guys that don't generate swing and miss, that don't get strikeouts, and they've had a ton of success as a result. The question becomes, 
when the Mets get Jacob DeGrom back, when Max Scherzer comes back and he's in full rhythm, although he looked pretty good the other night, what do the Braves do in those head-to-head games where they're facing guys that can actually generate swing and miss? So I think the Braves do ultimately end up making the playoffs and will be a dangerous team when they get there. But as far as holding off this Mets team and the really good pitching that the Mets staff has, I don't know if I would necessarily bet the Braves to win the NL East, but I do think they'll return to the postseason and have a chance at a repeat. Any trepidation whatsoever when it comes to the Mets? And the reason why I ask that, Adam, is because, you know, Jacob DeRom is going to be a free agent. He's also coming off an injury. The Mets are going to have to play this game, right, of, hey, we got to limit him because we don't want to overdo it because we're going to need him for a postseason run. But then you also have the other side of DeGrom probably doesn't want to overdo it as well because he's got a big, massive contract coming to him next summer. Uh, Does that change how you view the Mets when it comes to betting? You know, I think it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, if you're Jacob DeGrom, do you want to opt out now? You know, coming off of you know having the back issues last year, then, of course, having this shoulder issue this season, you know, is that something that you want to take the chance of doing? Do you want to gamble on yourself in that situation? And to me, I think what it means is that when Jacob DeGrom comes back, he'll hit the ground running and just be a guy who's going to go out there and you know, over 80, 90 innings, whatever it may be, just go out there and remind everybody just how good he is in case he does want to opt out. But this is also a pretty deep rotation. I mean, Max Scherzer is obviously an elite guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. David Peterson's been much better this year. Carlos Carrasco has been good despite some recent bumps in the road for him with a back issue. Taiwan Walker has really exceeded expectations as well. I'm actually more worried about the Mets' offensive profile just because they don't make a ton of quality contact and, and they kind of overachieved early on in the season. But this is also a team with a billionaire owner and Stephen Cohen who made it very clear last year that he'll do whatever he needs to do at the trade deadline to improve this team's chances. So whoever's available when we get to that deadline in, I believe it's August 2nd this year, they'll fill whatever holes they need to. So I think this is a team that probably looks even better about a month from now. We're talking with Adam Burke. He's a Major League Baseball sports betting analyst for Visa, and he joins us here in RP3 and Company. <laughs> Let's stay in the National League, Adam, if you don't mind. You mentioned the Dodgers. They seemingly have starting to find their groove. The rest of that division interests me. We know the Padres are a fun team. We know that they're an exciting team. And a lot of people like to put money on them before the start of the season to make a run. But they sit behind the Dodgers. And the Giants started off so strong to start the season, they have since faded. What do you make when it comes to the rest of the National League West? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting series this weekend between those two teams, and we'll see who's able to emerge victorious in that one. The thing that really concerns me for the Padres is they're not very good offensively, and they will get Fernando Tatis Jr. back here sometime soon, but he's a liability on defense. And the thing that's been really helpful for the Padres this season has been the defense. By a lot of the metrics that are out there, they've been the best or one of the best defensive teams in baseball. And it's helped them, big team, but they're not allowing a lot of runs either. The pitching staff's been good. The defense has been good. The offense takes an uptick when Tatis gets back, but it hurts the defense. So I think it's a really interesting question to ask about them long-term to see if Tatis's offensive contributions will be enough to help alongside Manny Machado, Luke Voigt, some of the other guys in that lineup. But with the Giants, they're a terrible defensive team, and that's really been an issue for them where a lot of their starting pitchers 
have performed better than their ERAs would suggest because they're just not getting any help from the guys behind them. The offense has been kind of hit or miss. Same thing with the bullpen. I've been really disappointed with the Giants this season and, and kind of surprised by the Padres. I think, honestly, the Padres could fall off the pace a little bit, Not maybe not to the degree that they did last season, but I think they could be a team that kind of falls back a little bit, and the Dodgers end up being a team that just coasts to winning that division. Over in the Central, it seems like it's going to be a dogfight the rest of the summer between the Brewers and the Cardinals. Brewers seem to be a little undervalued or underappreciated, rather. Um, when it comes to, to betting for the Brewers or the Cardinals, where are the trends right now? Yeah, I mean, look, I look at the Brewers right now, and, and they're out there in the 16-1 to range, depending on where you look for the World Series. And, and if I'm going to take any division leader right now, that would be the one that I would consider taking a flyer on for the World Series or, or some sort of deep playoff run here because they got Brandon Woodruff back, and he's looked exceptional since returning. Corbin Burns is having another fine season, not as good as last year, but he's still been very good. And Freddie Peralta will come back at some point to go along with guys like Eric Lauer and Aaron Ashby. And, of course, the back end of that bullpen with Devin Williams and Josh Hader, very, very strong to say the least. There'll be a player for some offensive pieces, I think, here at the trade deadline that should help them out quite a bit. And just you you look at the futures odds for for these two teams here. And the gap isn't that big in the division going into Thursday's games. The Cardinals only three games back. But you've got the Brewers at 16-1. to You've got the Cardinals in the 40-1 to range at some books. So I think that's kind of an indicator of where these two teams stand from a head-to-head standpoint. And I tend to agree with that. I think Milwaukee is a much better team than St. Louis. The Cardinals have really been carried by Paul Goldschmidt offensively. Their pitching staff has a lot of concerns. I think this Brewers team is very, very dangerous heading towards the playoffs. The thing that would be good for them is if they can get one of those two buys and not have to burn Woodruff and Burns uh, you know, in that NLDS round. But you know, we'll have to see if they're able to take advantage of what should be a pretty weak schedule the rest of the way. Let's switch over to the American League. Biggest disappointment has to be the Chicago White Sox, right, especially with the preseason expectations? Yeah, 100%. And that's a team that, you know, injuries have, have really been a big reason why. Also, I'm, I'm not a believer in Tony La Russa and, and how he manages that bullpen and how he constructs the lineup. But I will say this. Of the current division leaders, and, and this is a very strong limb to go out on, Minnesota concerns me. Their bullpen is just not very good. I don't like their pitching. Obviously, you know the big breaking story down there in Louisiana recently with pitching coach Wes Johnson taking a job at LSU, leaving the Twins in the middle of the season. And he's been a significant help for them on the pitching side over the last three years. So that's a really big loss for a Minnesota team that I think their offense is overperforming a little bit. I don't think their pitching staff is very good. Cleveland, my team, has fallen off the pace here as the Guardians have not played well for the last three weeks. I still think Chicago wins that division despite being five and a half, you know, six games back, and despite just losing a series here to the Twins earlier this week. The AL East, you know, the Yankees have such a comfortable lead that you could argue they're the best team in baseball, but the three teams behind them in the standings, you could argue are all going to make the wild card round in Toronto, Boston, and Tampa. How do you map that out? If I wanted to go to my local sports book, Adam, how, how, do, how do I try to figure out who to put money on there to make the postseason and to make a run? 
Yeah, I don't know if you have to argue it anymore. I, I think those four teams in the East are all going to make the playoffs, and, and the reality is that Baltimore might be better than any of the other wild-card types of contenders in either the Central or the West Division, although Seattle is making a little bit of a push here. When I look at those three teams specifically, we'll, we'll leave the Yankees on, you know, kind of in a class of their own. When I look at those three teams specifically, you know, I still think that Tampa Bay is a team that we want to keep a really close eye on. Another team that's had just a significant amount of injuries, a litany of guys, both on the pitching side and on the hitting side, that have been hurt here. But they've got Shane McClanahan, who's putting up elite numbers, to say the least. Jeffrey Springs has been really, really good. They've got Shane Baz now in the rotation as well, and he's been quite solid. Drew Rasmussen is another guy that's good. The Rays have a ton of pitching, and that would be the concern for me with both Boston and Toronto, who are better offensive teams than Tampa Bay, but they don't have the pitching. And I think a lot of times in the playoffs, pitching depth is what becomes really, really important, especially as you mentioned in the, in the top of the segment here, 162 games this year in a condensed format, 162 games last year coming off the COVID season. You know, you have a lot of attrition when it comes to pitching and specifically in the bullpen. And I think Tampa Bay and the amount of arms, the volume of arms that they have, maybe separates them a little bit from Boston and Toronto at this point in time. Wrapping up our conversation with Adam Burke. He's a Major League Baseball sports betting analyst for VEASAN. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. All right, we're nearing the halfway point of the season. Let's talk American League MVP. It seems like it's a two-man race to me between Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez. How do you like that? Well, look, I mean, I the reality is Shohei Otani should be the MVP every single year. I don't know if he will get it. I think you'll probably see the voters kind of you know go towards Aaron Judge. But to me, I mean, what Shohei Otani does, we've never seen before. You know, I mean, he's these are better numbers than even Babe Ruth, even if you adjust for era and all of that. So, to me, I think Otani at plus 240 is a guy that you, you still want to consider in that plus 250 range or so. If Aaron Judge gets hurt, which is something that we've seen happen before, that'll mm-hmm. open the door a little bit. Alvarez had a great season, obviously, but to me, I just – Otani does something special every single day on the field. And I just hope that he gets the respect he deserves when the voting process comes together. The problem is, is that you're going to have some voters – that can look at it and go, look how great of a season he's having, what he's doing, it's historic. But the other, you're going to have other voters are going to be like, well, the, the the team is a dumpster fire. And somehow the Angels are wasting both Mike Trout and Otani, and I probably will veer away from them. It will be interesting to see what happens there the rest of the way. What about AL Cy Young? Justin Verlander seems to be a very strong candidate, first pitcher to 10 wins this season. Who else do you think it's in the mix as we near the halfway point? Yeah, Verlander's a guy, too, that, you know, I think something that will really benefit him is that he's gone through the rigors of throwing 180-plus innings. You know, Shane McClanahan is a guy that really hasn't. Shohei Otani has been great, obviously, but, you know, to your point, there will be some voters that hold it against him that his team's just not very good. And Garrett Cole's been exceptional, but, again, you look at a Yankees team that has basically 60 wins already, and, you know, Cole has a lot of help there. The good offense, the good pitching staff all the way around, Verlander and his ability to sustain over the course of the season, I think may be the separating factor for him, where you could see a guy like McClanahan or Otani or Dylan Cease kind of fall off the pace a little bit. What about the senior league? Who do you like, MVP and Cy Young, bud? 
Well, I mean, look, Sandy Alcantara and what he's doing for the Marlins is, has been very impressive, especially when you consider the fact that very few guys work deep into games anymore, and he seems to be doing it on a regular basis, also in a really good pitcher's park down there in South Florida, so that should help him quite a bit. Not a sexy pick by any means, being almost even money, but I think that's the guy that you look for there in, in the National League. And then as far as the MVP goes, I mean, until Paul Goldschmidt slows down, you know, there's no reason to believe it's going to be anybody else but with that being said, you know, you got a lot of Dodgers there in the mix and Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman. And this Dodgers team probably feels like one that can flip the switch in the second half. So I wouldn't discount any of those Dodgers in that, you know, 10, 15, 20 to 1 range. Brother, before I let you go, tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where they can go to get uh, access to all your great work. Yeah, as you mentioned, over at vcin.com, I write a uh, daily baseball article Monday through Saturday. It's a little bit tougher on Sundays with all the early games. But you can follow me on Twitter, at Skating Tripods, and get all my work there. And, uh, you know, again, I encourage you to head over to vcin.com and follow at vcin live on Twitter to see everything we've got going on. Brother, appreciate the time. Can't wait to do this again. Enjoy the, uh, your weekend. Absolutely. Thank you, man. That's Adam Burke, Major League Baseball sports betting analyst for VEASAN joining us talking about the state of Major League Baseball. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up. We'll close out our number two, give you the update on the poll question of the day. That's all next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score those great prizes to help with your date night blues by becoming a member of the game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Woo! Poll question of the day. It's a good one. At least some people think so. What are the biggest questions you have entering Saints training camp, which is only a few weeks away? Right now, 52% of you say, can Caesar Ruiz be fixed? 19% say, who will become tight end number one? 15% say, who is going to be running back number three? Mark Ingram is RB2, by the way. And 14% of you say, is Peyton Turner going to be healthy? Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter for our poll question of the day, which is about Saints burning questions heading into training camp. That's going to do it for our number two. We got one more hour to go. Coming up, Nick Fondo is going to be joining us for cashing tickets in about 15 minutes. And then Alex Hickey from SaturdayTradition.com will join us to talk about the state of college football. That's all on deck right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning.
Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three of today's show has arrived. The final hour of today's edition and our final hour of the week. And we're going to try to wrap up the week strong. That's right. In strong fashion. Coming up half an hour from right now, Alex Hickey, columnist for SaturdayTradition.com, will be joining us to talk all things college football as things continue to shift in the big business that has become college football. You'll want to stay tuned for that. That's coming up 30 minutes from right now. And about 20 minutes from right now, we'll be talking with Nick Fondo for Cashing Tickets, our semi-pro gambler and friend of the show. We've touched on a lot of different things here this morning on RP3 and Company. Houston Astros get the job done. 5-3 win over the Kansas City Royals. Verlander picks up his Major League Baseball leading 11th victory of the season. Alvarez, Altuve come up clutch as they always do as the Strohs take three of four from the Royals and now they'll head out to the Bay to take on the Oakland Athletics. Even though Oakland is a dumpster fire, the stadium is a dump. Ownership in the front office are treating their team like that. Fully expect the Athletics to be chippy. Fully expect the Athletics to be playing hard and come after the Strohs this weekend for the three-game series there in Oakland Coliseum. It's a divisional game. It's always going to be tough, and the Athletics are always scrappy. So expect that to be pretty good series. You'll be able to listen to game one of the series. That'll be tonight. 8.40 will be first pitch time because it's on the West Coast, of course. Astro launch will begin at 8.05 with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks setting you up for pregame and then being on the call from Oakland. Astros keep winning. They keep that train moving. One of the best teams in Major League Baseball. We also, though, discussed New Orleans Saints. Talked a lot about the Saints so far on today's show. Pressing questions coming up for training camp, which will be just a few weeks away. We're only a few weeks away from everyone reporting. Less than a few weeks away for the rookies to report, and then the veterans will report, and it'll be full-on training camp down at the team's facility on Airline Highway in Metairie. We wanted to hear from you. What are the big question marks for you pertaining to this team? heading into training camp. There's a lot of different question marks. I'm going to go ahead and establish this right now. Quarterback is not one of them. Famous Jameis is the starting quarterback. Andy Dalton, the red rifle, is the backup to be used in case of an emergency. Something happens to Jameis, they can go that direction. But there are big question marks surrounding this team. Primarily, really not even on defense either, right? You know what you got. That side of the football stacked. The one big question is, is Peyton Turner going to be healthy? Because if he's going to be healthy, you saw flashes of what his potential was last season, but if the second-year player can be healthy, what a difference that could make for their front seven, in particular their rotation, and help those double teams on Cam Jordan. 
Is that one of your big questions heading into camp? Is it going to be tight end one? I don't believe we're going to see a traditional number one tight end for the New Orleans Saints this season. You'd like it to be Adam Troutman. I think it's going to be a combination of the two. I think it's going to be a combination of Adam Troutman and Taysom Hill. And I don't think either one is going to get more catches or more snaps. I think they're going to utilize both of them. I think you're still going to see Pete Carmichael utilize Taysom Hill in a joker role, sometimes lining up. He may be technically tight end on the roster, but they'll line him up at wide receiver in some packages, maybe even use him out of the backfield. Because here's the thing. They like Troutman's ability to block. It's a weird thing. Troutman was primarily a pass catcher in college. He had to learn how to run block, had to learn how to block for the pros. He's able to master that. Catching the football has been the problem. So this will be interesting, kind of a two-man race there. And you got some other guys that are in the mix. But I think it's going to come down. I I really think you're going to see them use two tight ends. You're not going to have one guy. There's not – Taysom Hill's not going to put up Jimmy Graham numbers. Hell, he's not even going to put up Jeremy Shockey numbers. I think Taysom Hill's probably going to get more receptions than Adam Troutman, but I think they're going to both be utilized here. So it's not going to be a traditional Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Travis Kelsey type of tight end situation for the New Orleans Saints. They're going to use multiple guys there, and Taysom will be one of them. Running back, look, People are nervous about the Alvin Kamara situation because of his legal case in Las Vegas following the altercation during Pro Bowl weekend. If that's going to be decided when he has his next hearing date, which is in August, let's say he pleads out, they accept the plea, then he's going to be suspended. We know that. But what if the hearing sets up a trial date for, I don't know, December? Then he's probably not going to be suspended until the legal issue is resolved in a court of law. So that's kind of up in the air, but then there's the depth behind it. And a lot of folks still feel like they need to go out and get themselves a veteran running back. Okay. Mark Ingram is the number two. They like the kid out of Baylor. I keep telling y'all this. They like that kid out of Baylor. You don't get you don't give an undrafted rookie free agent a guaranteed quarter of a million dollars if you don't think he can play. So I expect him to really kind of start pushing to be the number three running back. But could you also see Tony Jones Jr. after showing flashes in camp last year and getting a lot of buzz, because he did, but then he got injured, and then when he did play, he didn't produce. He was not very good. Does he get fired up here knowing that this may be his, you know, kind of last chance to make a roster and and to be part of a depth chart for an NFL franchise? Maybe. So that's a big question mark. Michael Thomas's health. We could have had that as an option here on the poll question of the day. All reports are that he's healthy, that he's going to be good for camp. So we'll see. But it is a legitimate concern because some of you guys have brought it up with your comments. What about Michael Thomas? I get it. You thought he was going to play last year, and he didn't. So you're a little gun-shy when it comes to the former All-Pro. 
and record-setting wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. I get it. I totally understand. I feel like, though, he's going to play and they're going to be fine. And you're going to have him, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry as your top three wide receivers, and that is absolute filth, by the way. But for me, even though there are some question marks, running back depth. Question marks on how they're going to tackle the tight end position. What about Peyton Turner? Can he give them the depth needed for the rotation on the defensive side of the football, in particular in the front seven? The big question mark for me is, can Doug Marone fix the offensive line? That's what it boils down to for me. The Saints' success this coming season is going to hinge on that. Go back a year. Armstead banged up. McCoy banged up. Ryan Ramchek banged up. Andres Pete misses the season, banged up. And Cesar Ruiz was awful. They had four different quarterbacks. No Michael Thomas. This team still nearly made the playoffs. So a healthy Jameis. I've already told you what I think Jameis is going to do this year. 33 to 35 touchdowns. Low 30s in touchdowns. Probably around a dozen to 15 picks. Around 4,000 yards. That's going to be enough to have this team be a playoff team. Only if, only if the offensive line is fixed. Ramchek is healthy. One of the best right tackles when healthy in the league. He's going to man the right tackle spot. I have complete confidence in left tackle. Hurst can handle that. We've seen him handle spot being a spot starter. If he's the guy to start the season, they're going to be fine until they can develop their first-round draft pick out of Northern Iowa. So the tackle positions are good. Your center position is good. McCoy is not a great center. He just isn't. He's serviceable to good. You're fine there. As long as he has a good rapport and has chemistry and knows exactly, has the timing down with Jameis, I'm good there. The big question mark for the offensive line is, is left guard, right guard. Andres Pete is pond water for a reason. He is a very good run blocker. When he just simply has to pop up and put his hands immediately up on the defensive lineman to, to open up a hole for Kamara or Ingram, he is at his best. That's what he's the best at. That's what he's built for. That's what he's very good at. What he's not good at is pass blocking. He is slow to pop up in his stance, and when he puts his hands up, too many times do you see him slow to get his hands on the defender. Too many times you see guys beat him around the edge, and he's an interior offensive lineman. That shouldn't be happening. It's one thing if you're a tackle and you pop up and you got a pass rusher, an outside linebacker coming around on a blitz, and you can't get your hands on him. That's one thing. He's the left guard. That's the big thing for him now that he's back healthy. He's always been nicked up. He'll probably miss some games this year too. But can Doug Marone fix his pass blocking deficiencies? And then it's Caesar. I've said this before. Him, Troutman, and the other guys, part of that draft class during the pandemic that didn't have OTAs, didn't have a mini, uh, mini camp, didn't have rookie camp, didn't have really a training camp, didn't have preseason – Their development as pros has been delayed because of their issues there. 
but they have to fix Caesar Ruiz. Like the the Saints season is going to hinge on the development by Doug Marone of Andres Pete and Caesar Ruiz. That's what it's going to that's what it's going to result to. That's what it's going to be banking on. Because if they can't fix those two guys, you're not going to be able to protect Jameis Winston. You're not going to be able to allow him to be able to do his thing. Steve Wiley's now in the studio. Slamming doors. Entering. Eavesdropping. Do you, would you like me to move over, sir? No, we're good. I'm telling you, though, Doug Marone's the guy to get this done. He has to be. That's why they brought him in. See, boom, Steve Wiley. Thank you, bud. He can and he will. Yes! Yes! Steve with the confidence. I love it. My man just rolled up like, what's up? Like a gangster. Look, when you're an OG like Steve Wiley, that's what you do. But that's why they brought in Doug Marone. Let, let, let Make no bones about it. They brought in Doug to fix those two guys. Yes. Will he help develop the first round draft pick? Absolutely. Will they try to, you know, develop Brock, who's a serviceable backup in case Pete or Ruiz can't develop? Sure. Absolutely. A- absolutely. But make no bones about it. Doug was brought in. Because he is a guru with offensive line. He has been brought in to make Andres Pete a better pass blocker, which is what he's so bad at. And he's there to help Caesar Ruiz develop into a competent right guard. If they can do that, I'm telling you right now, if they can do that, if Doug Marone can work his magic and do that, this team can win 12 games. They have the talent on the roster. The defense is going to be stacked. They're going to be a defensive-minded team. Will Lutz comes back to handle kicking duties. You've got a very good wide receiving core now. Jameis Winston is someone that can get you to the playoffs and get you 12 wins. They can do all of that. They can be back in the playoffs. Heck, they can win the division title if they fix the offensive line. If Doug Marone can do that, Saints fan, it's going to be a heck of a season. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids, okay? That's all you got to do. But right now, it's time for us to unveil the Game Changer of the Week. No, no, I'm being told we're having a debate on who that's going to be. So we will unveil the Game Changer of the Week at the end of today's show. Pull. It comes down to two of them. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But we'll unveil the Game Changer of the Week to close out today's show here on RP3 and Company. But right now, we're going to take a timeout. And when we return, it'll be time for cashing tickets with our buddy Nick Fondo right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Tired of having your pockets emptied out due to bad sports bets? 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Listen up, because it's time to take down some notes and get paid with advice from semi-pro gambler Nick Fontenot. I get so nervous when I gamble. I'm so silly. 
Here is Cashing Tickets on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station, simulcast on Stadium 32.3. Nicholas, good morning. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing good, but did you blow up anything during the holiday weekend? Did you set your fireworks in the street and then have them blow up your car in the driveway, which made the rounds on the uh, social media? Did you do no, that? But I did. I- I did hold the Roman candle a little too close to my face, and the sparks got in my eyes. That happened. <laughs> bud, bud, come on now. No, no injuring yourself, man. I don't need you to be Jason Pierre-Paul. There's no, there's no need for that. Yeah, I'm always fear when I hold the Roman candle that it's actually going to – the back's going to blow out and it's going to blow my hand up like Jason Pierre-Paul, but that didn't happen. Well, there we go. That's something, bud. That means you won the holiday weekend, my friend. Um all right, let's uh, look. We're in this interesting point of the year, right? No NFL. We have no NBA, no NHL to go bet on. We have some golf, some Tour de France. Uh, you know, we, you can bet on that. So I want to start with with golf. Are you able right now to place bets? You know, you can place bets on PGA Tour stuff events, but can you place bets on LIV golf yet, or no? So you can. It's just really difficult to find. So if you're going to your normal places, like, you know, us around here, we use, we're probably using FanDuel or DraftKings or Caesars or one of the big ones. If you go to those spots, you're not going to be able to find it. You're going to have to dig a little bit deeper, go to maybe some of those uh, not-so-reputable sites that still, you know, you still, you still get the job done. But the, the, tour, the tour is just uh, – it's, it's, it's friends right now as far as its credibility and, and its reputation. And so these, uh, these sports books who, you know, usually deal with a, a lot of money, they're taking a lot of handle on these games, they're not quite ready to, to take wagers on, on the Live Tour. So you can bet on the Live Tour. Um, it's a little bit different competition, you know, 54 holes, uh, shotgun start, and all that stuff. So you can bet on it. You, just, you won't be able to find it as easily as you can find betting on the PGA Tour. All right, let's talk some other sports going on. Obviously, Wimbledon is currently going on. The U.S. Open will be later in the summer. Uh, with Rafa having to pull out due to a medical issue, uh, an injury suffered, You know, does that change how you bet this weekend's semifinals and championship round matches there at the All-England Club? Well, it doesn't change for me because I, I, I thought Djokovic was going to win from the beginning at- you know, this is his last major. He's not going to play in the U.S. Open because of his vaccination. Uh, he, he decided not to get vaccinated. The U.S. Open's requiring it. So he won't be playing in the U.S. Open. So I always thought this was going to be uh, his, his final major of the year. He's better at Wimbledon. Nadal struggles on grass, so I don't think he really had a chance. However, what it does change is people who did think Nadal had a chance or people that were pulling for, you know, a year Grand Slam where somebody wins all four because Rafa did win Australia and he won the French. So if you were trying to, if you were kind of pulling for that, we are like, hey, that's cool. I want to see that happen. And I also want to bet on it because I think Nadal, as of yesterday, was plus 600 to win it. And, uh, and Djokovic was minus 300 yesterday. Now Djokovic all the, way, all the way down to minus 650 to win it all. So a very expensive price if you want to bet on Djokovic. The money was made... Before all this happened, in the early stages, when Djokovic was, uh, I believe he was minus 140 at the beginning of the tournament, 
That's when you made your money if you took Djokovic. Now it's probably a little bit too expensive unless you got big pockets. And, Ray, I know you got big pockets, so if you still want to go with Djokovic and make you a little money, you can. Right now it's probably a little bit too expensive to make any money. All right, golf, tennis, let's tackle cycling. Tour de France is going on. I will say this. When Lance Armstrong was out there, you know, inspiring the nation and the world by being a cancer survivor and winning the Tour de France 1,800 times, I paid attention, like most of us did. I can't tell you one person who is in the field for this year's Tour de France, but I know you keep an eye on these things because you can bet on it. So as it stands right now, if I got money to burn this weekend and I want to put some money down on the Tour de France, give us some help here, brother. Yeah, so I'll be honest. I don't pay close attention to cycling year-round. But when it comes when it comes to being able to make money and, and place wages on stuff, I do like to pay attention. I like to read up a little bit and find out what's going on. So, uh, like I said last week, this guy, Tadai Pogachar, who I really don't know much about, I just know he's the best cyclist in the world. He's won the last he's won the last two tours. He was minus 130 before the tour started. He's minus 350 now. So, if you got the money in last week on Tadai Pogachar, uh, you can still uh, you can still uh, cash those tickets in. Now it's a little bit more expensive, but still, the guy's going to win the Tour de France. <laughs> it's, just, it's not even a question. He's won the last two. He's leading right now. He's going to win it. Like it's, it's a no-brainer. So even at minus three hundred, it's a little bit more expensive. But look at these mountain uh, these mountain stages and these time trial stages and try to figure out who's going to win those, and you can maybe make a little bit of money there. But it's really tough because it's a two-week process. So if you bet. That I Pogachar last week, you still have another week to go before you can cash those tickets. So it's a really tough sport to bet on, but there is money to be made there. Big cycling guy. Nick Fawn no is. Big cycling guy. <laughs> yeah, I got I got I got the jersey and the tights and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, oh big spandex guy you are. We're talking with Nick Fawn here on cashing tickets. All right, bud, let's switch over from golf, tennis, and cycling. Let's talk about some baseball because you can bet on that as well right now uh give us some betting lines here for the big uh, awards you know your mvp your cy youngs for both the national and american league what's some good money that can be put down right now even though we're not even to the halfway point right so it's always fun to bet on individual games and you can do that that's that's the thing that people do. I do it. It's fun. You always bet the pitcher. Don't bet the team when you bet individual games. But we're looking at some of these awards. I really like um, Justin Verlander to win the Cy Young. Like he's the second favorite behind Shane McClanahan. But, man, Verlander pitched last night. He was great. Every time he pitches, he's great. I know somebody like Foot doesn't care about awards. He doesn't want to hear about awards. But when you're talking about making money – you can make money anywhere on this board. And so my favorite bet uh, for the player awards is Justin Verlander at plus 270. Still plus money. I think as the season goes on, maybe in the next couple of couple of weeks, couple of months, I think Verlander's going to pull away with that, uh, with that prize, and they're not going to be able to make as much money. So now's the time to get in on Verlander. We have a lot of Astros fans around here. It's going to be fun to pull for. He seems to be healthy. He seems to be on the other side. Of the of the injury the injury uh, curse that he's had the last couple of years, put some money on Verlander to win that AL Cy Young, and I think that's, I think that's going to catch uh, catch a ticket at the end. Do you know if uh, the other uh, competition for that award, Scotty, is he related to Rue McClanahan from the Golden Girls? Because that's the first thing I thought of. Oh 
Blanche Devereaux, one of my, fa- my favorite Golden Girl. Everybody likes Rose. People <laughs> like Dorothy. I'm a Blanche guy. Blanche has always been my favorite. There you go, bud. There you go. Uh, what about MVP? Uh, it's going to be Aaron Judge or uh, Jordan Alvarez or Otani, right? I mean, that, those, that seems like a three-horse race in the American League. How you betting that? Man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, make the Astros fans upset that are going to be pulling for this, but I, I don't see how Aaron Judge doesn't win it. I mean, the, the Yankees just are the best team in, in baseball record-wise. Uh, I guess the Astros are second best, and I think it's going to come down to the Astros and the Yankees on who wins the pennant. But I think Aaron Judge just having one of those special years, plus he has that that name value that everybody knows. I think that counts for something, even though Jordan Alvarez might be actually having the better season and. And we might like him a little bit more. I think Aaron Judge kind of has that name cachet that's going to uh, put him over the top. So he's plus 100, uh, Otani plus 200, Alvarez at plus 650. So if you want to take a long shot on Alvarez, uh, you can make some money. The interesting thing I thought about those teams is that the Yankees are not the favorite to win the World Series, despite having the, the, the best record. Uh, the, the Braves are, are third favorite, which is, which is kind of weird. And, and, and these teams are just going back and forth. So it's, 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 it's a weird market right now. When you're going to those futures and the postseason awards, there is some money to be made. You just got to be careful because I think even though Alvarez might actually be having the best year and an MVP caliber year, Judge is probably going to win it just because he's Aaron Judge. Bud, appreciate your time. As always, we covered golf, tennis, cycling, Golden Girls, and baseball. This may be the best cashing ticket segment of all time. Thank you for your time, brother. Thank you for being a friend. (laughs) <laughs> bravo bravo oh, my buddy nick fano semi-pro gambler oh man i used to be the jam back in the day I used to watch golden girls with my grandma love that show we gotta take a time out when we return here on rp3 and company alex hickey columnist from saturday tradition will join us talking about the state of college football realignment and all the mess that is that's coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers in houston astros download the free the game mobile app for android and apple devices no matter where you are in the country you can listen to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We know you love to entertain, especially in the fall, college football Saturdays, whether you're cheering on McNeese or LSU or the Raging Cajuns or on Sundays for the Saints. And you love to have friends and family over and entertain. Why not take that entertaining space and take it to another level? Make it the envy of the neighborhood. Reach out to my friends at Lafayette Marble and Granite, and they can help you do that because they're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. You already know they create show-stopping marble countertops for kitchens and bathrooms, but they can also take your man cave and your outdoor living area to another level. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. To find out more, live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Look, you can even stop by their showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. That's Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's about New Orleans Saints. Training camp is just a few weeks away. They'll report their first rookies, then the veterans, down in Metairie on Airline Highway at the team's facility. What are the big question marks for you heading into training camp for the black and gold? 
go leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update that before we wrap up today's show. But right now, we're going to take some time to close out the week talking college football with one of the best in the business. You may know his work for his time covering McNeese for the Lake Charles American Press. He's also covered the SEC and West Virginia. He's now a columnist for SaturdayTradition.com. Alex Hickey joins us here on RP3 and Company. Alex, my old friend, how are you, brother? I'm good. I, I don't know how the business is, though, if I'm the best, one of the best now, but uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. No, man, you, you do great work, and I love that you've paired up uh, with uh, our friends over at Saturday Tradition. So uh, let me, let's start there. Look, realignment has been an ongoing thing in college football for the better part of 10 years, but it sure does seem like we're accelerating towards a few super conferences what do you make of what's going on currently in college football with realignment? I mean, you're right. Like we've always been sort of at this brink, but I think there was enough respect for like, okay, uh, I guess keeping keeping the academic mission like kind of, you know out there so you wouldn't reach you know this sort of mutually assured somebody gets destructed um yeah i guess the money is finally good enough that that doesn't matter anymore so here we are and you know somebody's going to get apparently it'll start on the pacific coast but there's going to be quite a few getting left out by the time this one's over USC, UCLA are just the latest, right? They're going to be joining the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten, they were very aggressive in their expansion over the last few years by making sure to get into the East Coast with Rutgers in Maryland. And now they want to be coast-to-coast. And it makes a lot of sense for the television perspective because of those markets. Is this what it just boils down to for the Big Ten's expansion? Is it just boiling down to television revenue, and that's really it? I mean, that's what it's going to be for, I think, well, every conference. Every expansion is going to be driven by revenue now because every network is pretty much going to have their own conference. I mean, uh, Big Ten's going to align with Fox. SEC will align with ESPN. Um CBS, after losing the SEC package in the next couple of years, is going to be a player probably for whatever the Big 12 or ACC morphs. You know, kind of those two are sitting there. But, you know, number three will come out of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and I took offense to, you know, and I wrote a column about how Joel Flatt referred to it as product. But pretty much that's that's how it is now. I mean, Maryland and Rutgers have added nothing to the Big Ten competitively in football. So uh, at least USC and UCLA will be able to improve on that. But yeah, it's it, it's it's becoming pretty cold blooded thing. Alex, when I look at this, now, now we're in, in this holding pattern. Uh, is the next domino to drop? Is it going to be Notre Dame and whatever they decide to do, whether that's join the Big Ten finally after all these years, 
or joining the ACC. Is that going to be the next shoe to drop, so to speak, before we find out what happens with the remnants of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC? Well, I I, I think we're going to know something from the Pac-12 first, just because I don't think Notre Dame's going to rush into anything. You know, they've got another two years on their um, – I guess three years on their their NBC contract, so they don't have to jump into anything just yet, and I don't think they will. But you know, it's a, it's a little dicier out west, and I mean, there, there's definitely some pretty serious movement with you know Colorado, the Arizona schools, and Utah contemplating that Big Twelve move, so. I think that's going to be the next shoe to drop. I don't know which way it'll go as far as Pac-10 solidarity or or ditching it. And it is interesting. We're talking with Alex Hickey, Saturday Tradition columnist here about college football. Uh, Alex, it's, it's interesting to me because the Big 12 has been poached numerous times, and they've had to reshuffle the deck, so to speak, over and over again. And the most recent being last year when they found out they were losing Texas and Oklahoma. Now they're being the aggressor, which I actually like for them. Instead of, you know, standing there and letting other teams, you know, pick the bones, you know, pick your carcass, so to speak. They're actually doing that to the Pac-12. What do you make of their initiative under their new commissioner, their new direction, so to speak, to be the aggressive, uh, the aggressive conference? Right. I mean, you know, they, they were the ones who got sort of ravaged in the first place when A&M and Nebraska and Missouri left. Um, and really, they, but I, I, I'm of the, the mind that they kind of deserved what they got because they could have put their foot down about the creation of the Longhorn Network a decade ago, and we wouldn't be in this place right now, you know. So that they that ineptitude has gone and sort of affected everybody in some way. Um, but yeah, obviously learned some lessons from that in Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and certainly they were the conference you would have expected to implode first. But they they are going to make it. Do you expect? them to be able to successfully get Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado to come to the Big 12? Because it makes a lot of sense for their footprint, especially with adding BYU and adding others. They can take care of, you know, Arizona all the way, you know, you know all the way over to West Virginia, which still is odd for me that West Virginia is in the Big 12. But it, do you believe that the Big 12 is going to be able to get this done? I mean, the, the – they are definitely the favorites because the back 10 now, I don't know what their value is going to be really diminished. And that's why this sort of cockamamie plan to like create a partnership with the ACC is on the table because that conference can't do it alone. Um, I know like the TV people have a vested interest in keeping that time slot on Saturday nights available for games. So that that gives that kind of chance, but obviously 
you know, you can just have, I guess, teams hosting a Big 12 game in that slot, too. So uh, it, it certainly looks like Big 12 is in the driver's seat because they've got more to offer at this point. You know, like, it, you know, the, the Pac-10 can't really expand. I mean, there's been talk of, like, Fresno State and San Diego State, but that doesn't move the TV, you know. The TV networks are not anchoring for that Fresno market. What about Oregon? It's a big brand. They have all the Nike money, um, yet they're kind of here in limbo. Uh, what happens to them? Could they make a move to the Big Ten as well, or do you think they're going to be kind of left out and have to settle for the Big 12? The Big, the big Ten's been kind of cold. Right. That, that's why I was asking, because I thought for me, I was like, well, Oregon's a name that makes a lot of sense. And I also thought they'd go after Stanford, especially if they want to get Notre Dame. That would, you know, help entice things and academics. If you want the Big Ten to be, you know, about academics, they do have Nebraska. So that doesn't help. But, you know, you get Stanford, too. But yet it feels like they're cold on both of those. Right. Well, I. I have just and this is just suspicion but i feel like stanford's sort of the silent partner lurking um because remember none of these moves have been telegraphed like nobody saw texas and oklahoma coming nobody saw usc and ucla coming it's true but i feel like stanford is just waiting there if it gets the green light from notre dame i think that's going to be the other team because nobody has nobody has said a peep about stanford and you know, one way or the other, that strikes me as odd. I, I think they would be the target if and only if Notre Dame, because I could see the 18. Um, you're not going to take Stanford at 17. So I think they, they are like the, uh, the, the ripcord or whatever if the Irish join. Um, but, yeah, Oregon and Washington are both kind of stuck. And there's really, I mean, they haven't been involved with the Big 12 discussions like those other four schools because I think they're trying to figure out what their best path is. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think there might be some pressure within those states because if you leave Washington State and Oregon State behind, you know, that's problematic. Uh, those are the two schools I feel the worst for in this situation. It's like, why are they getting penalized for being agricultural schools, you know? Like, <laughs> that doesn't strike me as fair. No, it's a good point. Wrapping up our conversation here with Alex Hickey, Saturday Tradition columnist. All right, bud, lots of speculation that in response, I guess, or to, to keep up with the arms race of compiling teams for super conferences, that the SEC is going to turn its attention to the ACC. Lots of talk about they want North Carolina, so does the Big Ten that they also have their eyes set on Duke, Florida State, Miami, and Clemson, uh, and, and Virginia even. Lots of rumors coming out the last couple of days about some of those programs having conversations with the SEC. What do you expect Greg Sankey, who loves playing chess while others are playing checkers when it comes to things like this, what do you expect him to do here? Do you expect them to stay, them stay pat, or you think they're going to be aggressive and go after and poach some of the ACC schools? Yeah, we've all speculated about the ACC, and obviously, like, 
that seems the next logical direction to within the footprint. You know, the SEC hasn't had to upset the apple cart at all. But I, I think the ACC's right to deal that runs through 2036 might be tougher to wriggle out of than people are giving it credit for. So, you know, I, these are moves that might not happen for another decade even though logic would dictate that they're probably going to happen at some point. But, it, you know, we might have another decade of relative peace before the whole thing really kicks in. Brother, appreciate your time as always. Keep up the tremendous work that you're doing for Saturday Tradition. Tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where they can go to read all your great work. I'm on Twitter, at Big A Hickey. H-I-C-K-E-Y, and SaturdayTradition.com. Alex, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your summer, bud. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Go have some boudin. (laughs) Alex Hickey from Saturday Tradition. My man covered McNeese really, really well back in the day. Went on to SEC Country, covered LSU, other schools, Made his way to West Virginia, covered them, and now he's a columnist for Saturday Tradition. Appreciate his time and his insight on the world of college football. we got to take a timeout, our final one. When we return, our game changer of the week will be revealed, and we'll get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, me, oh, my, crawfish pie. What a week. It was shortened because of the holiday, but we still put together some great shows for you guys. And more importantly, we had some great callers. And it was tough to pick our game changer of the week, but it goes to a gentleman who hadn't called in quite a long time, and he delivered the goods. The game changer of the week is our guy, Darren. Here is this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Darren to the show. Darren, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Yes, I would like to talk uh, the Kevin Durant news. Uh, do people really think he's going to sign with the Pelicans like any chance? Well, he's not going to approve it. Why would he approve a trade to the to, to the New Orleans Pelicans is my question. Why would he do that? I mean, I mean like... They're, I ain't gonna say in a worse position than the Nets, but I don't think they're gonna go any harder than the Nets could have taken them like any any other time, you know. I think they have more talent, and I think they're deeper than the Nets because I don't like the Nets roster and how it's constructed. I think they did a piss poor job of doing that because they just focused on the top end talent, and now they don't even have the top end talent. Um, so that's that that's a problem for them. But if you're Durant at your age and where you're at, are you going to go? through a process where you're going to be joining a team that's going to have to learn how to win consistently. But I, don't, I don't know. I, wanna, I don't think so. I want to make a point. I, 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 I think he has a few destinations in mind. I know for one, one of them is Miami. I think he can end up in Boston if they make the right moves for him. And here's my dog horse team that I don't think nobody's talking about. I think he has, if he could, if you think about it, what you think about Cleveland? Because Cleveland has... Colin Sexton, I think Darius Garland. They have the young guy, Mobley, who won Rookie of the Year. Of course, they have to learn how to win, but they just don't have a veteran to lead them there. And Kevin Durant can prove to be the leader. 
Game changer of the week goes to our guy, Darren. Congratulations, bud, for delivering the goods on your phone call. Woo! Want to take a moment to thank our guests today, James Yasko, Adam Burke, Nick Fondo, and Alex Hickey for helping us close out shop on this week of RP3 and Company. Final results of the poll question of the day. What are the biggest questions you have entering Saints training camp? 55% of you say, can Cesar Ruiz be fixed? 18% say, who will become tight end number one? 14% say, is Peyton Turner healthy? And 13% of you say, who's going to be running back three? Thanks for all who commented and voted on the poll question of the day. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parsh the third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again Monday morning, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.